Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from Grand Thornton Public Sector. Join the FedHeads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. And welcome to episode four of FedHeads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. And thank you very much for listening. I'm shocked and very flattered by the terrific feedback that we've gotten so far on FedHeads. It's wonderful. I agree. Mostly from my family, but <laughs> others as well. We're here, I'm hearing from people in government and people who care about the government and all kinds of folks that are listening to this podcast. So thank you very much for doing that. You know, the best feedback is on the graphic. So to Gloria Funes, uh, a little um, a pl- round of applause. She gave me hair, which <laughs> is not very easily done. She, and she I'm grateful for that. She took away my grays. So God love her. All the way around, Gloria wins. Yes. Today on episode four, I want to look at something that you have and I have talked about before we started recording a little bit, and I think it's tremendously important for a number of reasons. And you've nailed, I think, some of the important reasons why the president's budget request is very important for anybody who's working in government or following the government, wants to sell the government, and so on. Now, I make it a point every year and have for the last decade or so that I've been in this space to point out to people that the president's budget request, the, the key word in that is request. And what Congress eventually winds up passing or punting doesn't necessarily resemble what the White House asked for in the first place. This year, Robert, do you think that has potential to be dramatically different because of where we are with the budget deal and with the nature of the White House and so on? Or are we kind of, is that the pattern that we should kind of think about in the backs of our minds as we think about and analyze what's in the budget request? So you're right to point out that it is a request. As they say in the world of the budget, the president proposes and the Congress disposes. Yes. They've got to enact what uh, the president proposes or their r- response to it. I'm calling this president's budget um, unusually irrelevant. Mm. The, m- most of the time, the president's budget is called dead on arrival yes. or a lot of opponents of the president would call it out of touch. Well, this one's but already been called both of those and more. This, In light of the fact that the Congress passed a budget deal, a two-year budget deal at that, setting levels of spending much, much higher than what the president proposed, and the president signed that budget deal, by the way, um, that tells me that the, the austerity that the president hopes would be enacted is not going to happen. So there's going to be a lot more spending across the board than uh, the president or his OMB would like to see. One of the most interesting comments regarding that austerity that you're mentioning, though, came from, I think, OMB Director Mick Mulvaney. When, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, just because Congress appropriates the money doesn't mean the agencies have to spend it. And he implied that they're already going to work the agencies over. I'm exaggerating maybe a little bit. But they're going to very heartily encourage agencies not to spend all the money that Congress gives them and return some of that money back to the Treasury. Have you ever heard of such a thing (laughs) in all the years you've been in town? Well, he's wrong. The the Congress is obligated to uh, spend the money according to the laws passed by the Congress and signed by the president. The agencies are obligated. The agencies are obligated. So, um, uh, you know, he's wrong in that respect. Agencies 
tend to underspend. They don't overspend a lot because that's a worse of a problem. But um, they they they're loath to not spend what Congress enacts because it will come back to haunt them. But they're obligated under law to uh, spend what's required by law. What in particular about the budget request jumped out at you this year, Robert? Well, its austerity was the biggest thing. You know, you look at an agency like EPA, its budget is cut by 23%. That's a lot. Um, And personnel would have to come down to massively sort of unprecedentedly low levels. Um, But there was also... You know, part and parcel of a budget is not just what's going to be spent, but what it's going to be spent on. What are the policies proposed? Mm-hmm. There was a, a forecast of what the president's management agenda will be um, and the, the priorities that will be reflected in the cross-agency performance goals. Those are due later in March. Um, uh, and also, uh, there were some major policies announced in the area of personnel. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite charts buried way deep in the budget is one that depicts the various avenues federal employees have to appeal what are called adverse actions. If they're disciplined or fired, they can appeal to any different kind of places. Um, And that makes it real difficult to hold poor performers accountable. Mm -hmm. So those are just a couple of things that came out to me. The management agenda was something that I think a lot of people expected that we would get more clarity on as a result of the release of the budget request. And it didn't happen. We don't really have much of a sense yet from the budget request about what the reorganizations will look like under OMB Memo 17-22. There were some folks that expected some clarity in that respect. There were some folks that expected, as I mentioned, the management agenda clarity. Um, We do have on performance.gov some very broad agency goals and cross-agency goals, but nothing real finite. They're, they're, and, and nothing that appears to be too dramatically changed from what we've seen before. You mentioned March as when we can expect to see that, and that's great. What do agencies think about in the meantime while they're waiting for what their official marching orders are going to be? Because, I mean, I, I know they have ideas, and I know they have a sense of what they're likely to to be expected to do, but they don't have any formal guidance yet. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, you're right that there's not going to be much change. So I think they continue to focus on areas that they've been working on in the past. Here's what the budget lists in the, in the areas that are going to make up the management agenda. Modernizing IT, creating a 21st century framework that drives efficiency, accountability, and transparency. Developing a workforce for the future, improving the customer experience, shifting from low-value to high-value work, improving the efficiency and effectiveness of administrative services, reorganization and reform of the government, and getting government out of the way. You're right, those are really broad, but it gives you some sense of where management improvement priorities will lie. Mm -hmm. You look at something like modernizing IT, uh, that's been a major priority, and it'll continue to be. Customer service has been uh, maybe an initiative in the past. It looks like it'll emerge as a major priority. And things like efficiency and effectiveness of administrative services and getting government out of the way, those are where we want to reallocate resources away from low-value activities, 
which to me sounds like compliance activities that haven't really contributed to the performance or efficiency of government to ones that will have a bigger impact. So my takeaway from that list was these are all fine ideas. They're all desirable ideas. Maybe with the exception of getting government out of the way and, and, or, and maybe even only to the extent that, that the way that that idea is framed, that's the only one that strikes me as new. What do we expect to see this administration do or what should we expect to see this administration do to make some of these changes work this time rather than for the next administration to say, yes, we want to continue to do the same thing. I mean, IT modernization is one in particular that we've been talking about, it seems like, since the Paleolithic era. The That's a very good question. We have the framework of the high-priority and cross-agency performance goals. That's the one that will be used to drive improvement in these areas. That's also the same framework the previous administration used to drive improvement. I'm not sure that without leadership in place across the board, this administration is going to have any better luck making progress in those areas as the last one. I heard already that a lot of the reform proposals, the reorganization proposals that we hope to see as a result of the president's executive order in the spring are going to disappoint. We won't have the level of reorganization that we hoped. There's a lot of great stuff going on. It's largely in areas that don't require statutory uh, authority, um, which is great. But we may be missing an opportunity to address some of the systemic overlap and duplication GAOs complained of over the years. So a quick detour here. Given how paralyzed Congress is about doing its only constitutionally mandated job, which is passing a budget every year, is that maybe not necessary? I'm not sure that's such a bad idea that the agencies are taking on what they can do internally without congressional permission. Because to get congressional permission, God only knows how long that would take. You're right. We've got eight or nine months left on the calendar uh, during this um, congressional term. Um, how much you can get done during that period uh, is limited. Well, and the political reality is that we really only have about four or five months before essentially everybody that's up for re-election checks out for re-election. And that was going to be my other point, that post-election, Republicans are likely going to have a less sympathetic Congress Mm -hmm. than the one they have today. So to the extent they want to get stuff done that requires statutory approval— They better get after it. So let's go back to getting stuff done because that's kind of the point of why we're here is to help people get stuff done. If I'm sitting in the top uh, two, three, four, five slots in an organization, what should I be doing to drive as many of these changes as I can? Is it more effective, do you think, to choose one, two, or three of these six and really go after them, or is it more uh, desirable to choose to decide we're going to try to make some progress on all six, or does it depend on the structure of the organization and the mission of the organization? I think you look at the customers that you're serving, 
and ensure that the reform on which you're focused is very closely aligned to what's going to make them happier, more satisfied. Whether it's an internal customer or an external customer, there's a lot of stuff government does that's not value-added. It's a little bit about getting government out of the way, shifting from low-value to high-value work. Make sure that the reforms you're working on implementing, the improvement actions that you're taking are not focused on compliance activities, non-value-add activities, and instead are the ones that are going to have the biggest impact on the customer you're serving. And again, internal and external. All right. What do you think are the two or three action items that should be on the list of, say, a deputy secretary who is responsible, who owns all this stuff at an agency level? Get your team in place. Set aggressive dates by which improvements will be institutionalized. And then hold people accountable for measurable improvements in those priority areas on which you focused. What's a fair way to put an accountability program in place and what are fair metrics to use? I understand metrics will vary depending on what the desired outcome is, but kind of the strategy behind building those metrics. Yeah, and some are a lot easier than others. Process improvements are fairly easy to measure. Not that they're easy to accomplish, but it's easier to measure improvements in process. My advice is, what are the most important outcomes you're trying to accomplish? Trying to reduce, eliminate homelessness, trying to educate kids, or you're trying to reduce crime. Um, Those are the most important metrics, and the closest you can get to those, the better. But you need to make sure you know who is accountable for implementing the program that's going to best impact those outcomes. Okay, final thought. I've been telling people since 1722 first came out that I think it is the single most important thing that government leaders should be thinking about, focused on, because of the accountability that was promised from the White House and from OMB when it was rolled out. Given that um, your statement earlier in the program that we might be disappointed by what we see when we learn more about the rework plans is likely to be true. I'm hearing the same things that you're hearing. Is that maybe no longer the case? Are there other things that will come up on the radar screens of the people who should be caring about these kinds of things that will be more important now than what the reorgs wind up looking like? Government's a big place. There are reform efforts going on, notwithstanding uh, the fact that we aren't going to have these systemic changes. So uh, I don't think there's going to be no impact, just not quite as ambitious as we had hoped. I like some of the personnel reforms that the president has forecast in his budget. So, you know, uh, despite the fact that you might hear some partisan griping at those, managers across government will tell you reform of the civil service system is badly needed. So if I were going to pivot, I might focus on those. Robert Shea, uh, I love being on FedHeads with you. This is so I'm much glad fun. we're having a great time so far. Who, uh, who, who would have thunk it? And you haven't fired me after four episodes. So. Can I fire you? Well, you can't. <laughs> it's your podcast. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just along for the ride. Gosh, I feel like I'm on. We're, we're one big team. We're one happy team. All we're right. FedHeads. We can't help ourselves, That's I suppose. Right. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. It's great to talk Good to you. Good to talk to you. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads. Brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. We'd love to hear from you. 
connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector. And don't forget to leave us a comment or a review on the iTunes or Google Play Store.